So good evening and namaste everybody. We are studying Vedanta Sara and we are on text number 33. So what's going on here is that uh, we have just been told the method of Vedanta, of Advaita Vedanta, is superimposition and desuperimposition. In Sanskrit, Adhyaropapavada. So what's going on in, in Vedantic texts? Is this superimposition or desuperimposition? What is meant by this? We find ourselves in a peculiar situation where we do not truly know what we are. We have mistaken ourselves for these bodies and minds and this uh, universe. We have mistaken um, uh, in a Brahman for this external universe. So what is, it? What is actually the absolute existence, consciousness, bliss? We, we experience it as subjects and objects. I and the objective universe. This is a mistake. This is what we have, uh, where we are right now. So this is called superimposition. Um, in Sanskrit, adhyaropa. This is already done. Now the task of Vedanta is to correct this error. And remember, what is the goal? Once this error is corrected, the promises will be free of the sufferings of samsara. As we, when we know ourselves as we truly are, we'll be free of suffering. Now, what Vedanta has to do is twofold. One is, it has to start from its claim that there is an absolute reality, uh, what it calls vastu, reality, existence, consciousness, bliss, non-dual reality. And then it has to show, it's not enough to say that there is Brahman and that's the teaching. No, it has to show how is that related to what we are experiencing. If we are to learn anything at all, we have to relate how the one has become the many or the one appears as the many. From the one to the many, a bridge has to be built. If I am that absolute reality, how do I find myself in this particular soup that I am this body and mind subject to birth and death? If I'm immortal, how is it that I find myself being born and aging and dying? If I'm beyond suffering, how is it that I suffer from physical illnesses and social problems and mental suffering? Uh, if I am infinite, why do I find myself limited? Um, so this is from my side. And the world that I see, if it is one reality, why do I find diversity there? If it is beyond good and bad, why do I find good, good and bad there? Um, why do I find difference, that it is different from me and things are different from each other? So the many, this all of this is called the many. How did this many, how is it related to the one that Vedanta is talking about? So the first part is superimposition. From the one that Vedanta claims to what we are experiencing, Vedanta must draw a bridge. It will, um, so that's what's going to happen. It is going to show us, Vedanta is going to show us how starting from Brahman through the agency of Maya, um, this entire universe appears. And then the second part will start, negating this, uh, this error, correcting this error, which is called Apavada. Uh, we, are, we will be shown that actually we are not these bodies and minds. Uh, we are witness consciousness. Actually, this is not a diverse universe. Actually, in reality, it is a, a homogeneous um, uh, existence uh, being itself. Uh, and uh, this consciousness which we are and this being which is appearing as the universe is one and the same. So this is that Atman is Brahman. That will be shown. That is the second part of it. Uh, apavada, negation, correction correction of an error. But first, the, the contours of the error have to be shown. How did this happen? How do we come to be where we are if Brahman is the ultimate reality? So that's what was going on. Uh, the text defined 
what is adhyaropa apavada the method of by which the vedanta teaches us is superimposition the superimposition define first what is superimposition superimposition is basically error making a mistake taking something for what it is not um taking brahman to be this universe taking pure consciousness to be this body mind so it says just as the rope which is not a snake is mistaken for a snake in the same way brahman which is not the world is mistaken for the world um, is mistaken for samsara so that is uh, called adhyaropa superimposition now in in saying this the author used two words re- taking the uh, the precise definition of superimposition was taking the um, unreal for the real avastu for vastu or even more precisely superimposing the unreal on the real um, so it used two words avastu the unreal and vastu the real so superimposing the unreal on the real or the false on the real is what is called superimposition or adhyaropa now having used these two terms vastu and avastu reality and unreality or real and the false uh, it is it now they have to define it what do you mean by what what is real define that what is false define that so that's what's going to start now what we are going to do today is beyond any doubt beyond any any comparison the most important two concepts in whole of advaita vedanta nothing compares to what we are going to talk about today brahman and maya that's all that there is to advaita vedanta so brahman and maya the the, the concepts of what is brahman the ultimate reality and what is maya these are the two things we're going to talk about and both of them will be talked about today so verse number or text number 33 first brahman and next we'll look at maya so first it has to define what is reality what is reality why because superimposition was defined as um, the superimposition of the unreal on the real taking the um, uh, unreal to be the real so what is real and what is unreal text 33 vastu satchidanandam advayam brahma agyanaadi sakala jada samuha avastu reality is brahman which is without a second and is existence consciousness bliss unreality is nishans or ignorance and all other material objects what does that mean so this is something that we have to memorize if there is one take away from the entire book it is this text number 33 what is unreal and what is unreal what is real vastu satchidananda madvayam brahma reality is the non dual brahman which is existence consciousness bliss and what is unreal unreal is um agyanaadi sakala jara samuha avastu from ignorance downstream from ignorance downwards the word used here is ignorance for a certain reason what he means here is maya so from maya and downstream from maya whatever are the products of maya everything is unreal it's false it's an appearance um so first what is real brahman is real according to advaita vedanta brahman is real advaita vedanta is very simple it's very uh, very austere kind of philosophy the only reality is brahman and everything else is an appearance appearance of what of brahman and so um 
all that you have to understand is Brahman and how you are Brahman, that the world, everything that we experience is an appearance, and that's it, the work is done. What is Brahman? Um, the word itself means the vast. The Sanskrit derivation of the word comes from a root which means to expand, to expand without limit, the vast, that's all. Vast what? No qualification, not a vast sky, not a vast house, not a vast consciousness, nothing, just vast. A vast, then what else can we, do we know about it? Brahman is Sat Chit Ananda. Sat means existence, that which is real, that which is, that which is. Again, I want to always encourage everybody to relate it to our experience. Advaita Vedanta at its core never makes any claim uh, which is beyond our present experience, always available experience. So the, at the core of Advaita Vedanta. So the core claim is the reality is ex existence itself. What do I mean by this? So the book exists and the shirt exists and the body exists. Even my thoughts exist in some sense. So all of this, the universe outside, tables and chairs and buildings exist. Vast things like galaxies and quasars exist. Uh, tiny, tiny things like atoms and subatomic particles, superstrings exist. Now, Advaita Vedanta wants, to, wants us to think of existence itself. I mentioned a few days ago, I talked about the... Um, greatest of questions, Heidegger, the great German philosopher Heidegger talks about the greatest of questions. Uh, what is existence itself? Why do things exist at all? The question of being or existence. And Advaita Vedanta is actually an answer to that question. It's a take existence itself as the reality. We never, we, we are so entranced by existing objects, people and animals and plants and non-living things and big and small they're all objects which exist. But what is existence itself? We don't think it, uh, uh, you know, there are philosophers who would uh, dismiss the whole question as an illusion set up by language, a common language philosophy. Advaita Vedanta is just the other way around. It says the question of existence is the only question about reality. Everything else that you think you're dealing with reality is actually dealing with illusion. And language is with the very stuff of illusion. So the very fact that language cannot talk about the ultimate existence, Brahman, shows that that must be the real reality. If, it, if language can designate it, if language can talk about it, it must be unreal. Anyway, so existence itself, what does it mean? Look around yourself. Things exist. Now, can we con conceive of, can we try to change our paradigm of looking at existing things and think of existence itself? When you look at thousands of waves in the water, Think of water itself, it's so easy, that the water itself is the reality and the waves are dependent. They are arisings and playing about in water and disappearances in water. Water is the substance there. Just like that, just as water is the reality of all the waves and all the bubbles and foam, can we think of existence itself as the reality of everything? This very experience we have of isness. This is called Sat, existence itself, not an existing thing. So is it an abstract concept? No, no, no. It is, um, in fact, compared to it, other things are abstract concepts. Would you say that um, a, a necklace or a bracelet or, or, a, bra uh, or uh, no, a crown or something, golden ornaments, those are real and gold is an abstract concept? What nonsense, gold is the reality. 
compared to gold the ornaments are abstract they are names and forms and functions designations gold is the actual thing similarly advaita vedanta insists being or isness or in the term used sat is the actual thing is the reality it is the reality of the universe every existing thing is nothing but name form and function nama roopa vyavahara imposed upon it see i am explaining all of this the author will not explain on any of this why not the author is just going to go ahead because remember what the author wants to say author says that this is the thing to be realized brahman and this will become clear by the method of superimposition and desuperimposition so you're going to launch on superimposition and start and just tell you that there is a reality like this which is existence consciousness bliss non duality and stop nothing more to talk about it now let's go ahead and see how we have come from that to this position and then go back from here to that and hopefully in this whole process the the thing will become clear i am uh, dilating upon it what is this brahman so first of all brahman is sat the word used is sat means pure being in the heideggerian sense uh, if you want to talk uh, have a modern philosopher as as a uh, cognate so being itself isness itself we always are aware of it we, i mean we are it actually inside outside that being is everywhere imagine you are sitting not imagine actually the fact is you are sitting in the midst of an ocean of being every object that you see is a wave in this ocean the table is a wave in the ocean of being the chair you are sitting on is a wave in the ocean of being the planet is an, a, a huge wave in the ocean of being so is the galaxy everything is an a wave in the ocean of being being itself is sat then the next thing it talks about is chit satchidananda so the reality vastu is chit consciousness now con- consider it from the perspective of our experiences what is the common denominator of all our experiences experiences i mean thoughts feelings perceptions ideas understanding memory desires memory uh, all of this all our what constitutes our conscious first person life all these experiences what's the one common thing in all of them seeing something is different from smelling something else tasting something is different from listening to a talk reading and understanding something is different from enjoying a piece of music hating somebody is different from loving somebody but what is common and essential and cannot be dismissed for every type of experience it is awareness consciousness i'm using the words indiscriminately awareness consciousness this bare awareness in itself this bare consciousness in itself is what vedanta calls brahman and what what is the relationship of this awareness in itself and the existence in itself they are one and the same thing they are one and the same thing it doesn't seem to be so if you look around the world you will see you'll see there are so many things which exist so there is existence there but there doesn't seem to be awareness for example um in the table in the book or in the laptop is there awareness in me i am an existing thing in me there is awareness but there are so many things in the world which are not which are not aware doesn't seem to be aware at least but then again you must notice that all those things which you consider to be to be not aware yeah. books and tables and uh, um, you know piece of rock all space itself all of them are appearing in awareness yeah. it is like a dream example is a powerful example 
In the dream example, when you see a dream and you don't know it's a dream, you are there in your own dream. There are living beings and there are non-living beings. And it will feel like the living beings are conscious. They not only exist, but they are also conscious. They have existence and consciousness. And we feel like non-living things like rocks and rivers and you know, um, um, tables and chairs are non-living. They have existence, but no consciousness. It will feel like that. But when you wake up, you will realize the whole thing was a projection of a conscious mind, the dreamer's mind. That's an example. I'm not saying that the universe is being projected by a mind. What I'm saying is even deeper. The universe is being projected by isness awareness, sat-chit. Sat-chit, isness awareness. Further, ananda, sat-chit ananda, bliss. This bliss is not a feeling. And yet it is. So let me explain that. What is the meaning of this ananda? The meaning of the ananda, to put it simply, is purnatvam. Com wholeness, completeness, um, the lack of any limits. Now, it is not a particular feeling. Just as sat is not a particular existing thing. Ananda is not a particular blissful feeling. Just as sat is not even the collection of all existing things. Similarly, ananda is not the collection of all happy feelings, all happy faces. No. Just as chit, consciousness, is not a particular kind of conscious experience, rather the underlying reality of all conscious experiences. Uh, similarly, ananda is not a particular kind of bliss, but it's rather the underlying reality which, which manifests as all kinds of fulfillment. It is fulfillment itself. It is completeness itself. It is the sense of being unlimited. From that comes all, uh, all experiences of being fulfilled, happy, satisfied. So, or you can say it is value in itself. When we seek things in the universe which have value, you're actually seeking for ananda, which is unlimited value. So, let me put it this way. Anandam is equal to anantam, infinite. The infinite nature of existence and consciousness expresses itself or can be designated as anandam. Does this mean it's not, there won't be happiness when you realize you're Brahman? Of course there will be. There will be you'll be much happier than you are now. And, and, um, but that's not what is meant by anandam. It can, it can manifest as that, that the happiness of a, the peace or the fulfillment of an enlightened person. Um, did you notice somebody asked, and in, oh, you may not have seen, in a video, um, I wonder if it was in the conversation I had with Rupert Spira or elsewhere. Somebody asked him, so as an enlightened person, are you happy 24 by 7? Are you like bubbling over with happiness? He said, no, no, no. My experiences are very much like yours. Except that, that he knows that that fulfillment is his uh, completely uh, undisturbed. It, it cannot be increased. It cannot be reduced. It, it is uh, illimitable. And that manifests as uh, happiness or a fulfillment. But not that all the time you're walking around with a smiley face. Anyway, so Sat, Chit, Ananda. Pure being, pure consciousness, pure bliss. Uh, or in other words, being itself or existence itself, consciousness itself and bliss itself. Or in other words, isness, awareness, unlimited. Unlimited isness, awareness. I'm actually translating from the Taittiriya Upanishad, which has the best 
so so to say definition why i'm saying so to say definition because it is not a directly a definition you cannot define the absolute but anyway the theory upanishad has the closest uh, approach to it satyam gyanam anantam brahma brahman is infinite existence consciousness isness awareness i will not go deeper into it those who want to you know dwell on this because the author is not dwelling on it at all i have said much more than the author has said those who want to go deeper into this most important subject what is the absolute according to advaita vedanta i will refer you to my talk uh, defining god i have given this a couple of times let me give you the link so this is the talk in this is the talk in uh, vedanta society of southern california so this talks about the definition of god the, um, brahman in more detail and this brahman is advaitam non dual by what is meant by non dual duality means two or more you know, more than two also so there is something apart from uh, this uh, apart from an entity then it's a dualistic uh, it's a dualistic universe or a dualistic reality but if there's an entity from which nothing else is apart then that is non dual how does that work so we for example when we look around i see here there are um, 62 people on on zoom and we feel we are all different we are differently located we are differently named we look different uh, so this difference it's duality each is separate from, each is not the other they are countably different entities this is dualism by dualism i mean two or more entities but suppose there is an entity from which none of these 62 indeed nothing else in the universe are different then that would be non dual with respect to everything example again the water and the wave example when you look at the waves and try to count them you may count thousands coming and going but if you count water then you cannot count any wave as a second thing water one then this wave that wave no they are the same water you cannot count them apart from the water because then it will be double counting so every wave uh, every bubble or little bit of foam everything is that water when you count water only one there is no second thing in the ocean apart from water i mean just the, as far as the waves are concerned in that case instead of if you look at those 10000 waves with respect to those 10000 waves water is non dual water is non dual means with respect to water those 10000 are not 10000 they are not, not distinctly 10000 countably separate 10000 entities they although they look like uh, different they behave differently they are essentially all that same water you count the chairs steel chairs in a, in a room say 50 chairs but if you count the material steel then there is only one so with respect to steel the chairs are non dual because they do not exist apart from that so this is just an example similarly with respect to everything in the universe brahman is non dual why it's very easy to understand if brahman is existence if brahman is existence now obviously it has to be non dual because what can exist apart from existence non dual means nothing exists no no second entity exists apart from this entity uh, apart from brahman if brahman is existence to exist apart from existence would mean to become non existent so obviously nothing exists apart from brahman brahman has to be non dual 
So this is the meaning of Satchidanandam Advayam Brahma. Brahman is Sat, Chit, Ananda, Advayam. Further details in that talk, defining God. Now, that's all very good for Brahman. What about this universe? What about this universe? I don't see anywhere. I don't have any experience of this Brahman you're talking about. Pure being, pure consciousness, pure bliss. Who knows what all this is? This sounds pretty abstract. But what I have experience of is the things that I see or hear or smell or taste or touch. The body, uh, my own inner life, my history, my personal life and all the relationships I have with people around me. The knowledge that I've acquired and I forget. All of this is my experience. What is all this? So the next part it says, Avastu. It's, an, it's, it's not real. It's an appearance. It's not a countable reality apart from Brahman. Not a second thing. Another real thing that Advaita has to talk about. The only real thing we have already mentioned. Brahman. And apart from that, all that you think is apart from it is an appearance of that only. Adi sakala jarasamuha avastu. They are all avastu means not real. What are they? It starts with agyana. Literally, agyana means ignorance. Why he has mentioned ignorance, we'll see later. We can just say he is actually talking about maya. Starting from maya downwards. Downwards means all the products, the five elements, the our uh, minds and bodies and the external universe, all the stars and galaxies, down to the tiniest uh, entities, living beings, non-living beings, life itself. All of it, all of our human productions, literature and science and everything, all joys and all sufferings, all of that, avastu, what a stunning statement, it's an appearance, it's not the reality. What does he call them? Jarasamuha, all the collection, the collection means the totality of all of these items which, which we see in the universe, they're all jara, insentient, material. Jara also means object. Whatever is an object to consciousness is called Jara. So whatever that we can know, think about, designate, they are all objects. And the entire objective realm, the entire material realm, the entire realm of experienced uh, objects, that is called Jara. And it's, it's an appearance. Look at the inversion. This is what we consider real. Advaita dismisses all of it, this as an appearance. And what Advaita calls real, we have no inkling about. We are just being introduced to it. But logically, it makes sense. If you think of Brahman as being itself, obviously, everything in this universe which exists must be in somehow dependent on that being, nothing apart from that being. If we see it as apart from the being, as we are, we are experiencing this universe apart from Brahman because we don't, apart means you're not actually seeing it apart from Brahman, but we feel it's apart from Brahman because we don't know what Brahman is. We see that this universe existing in itself. They have, they have, all things exist by themselves. No, they don't. Without seeing the underlying reality, if you think that this external universe exists by itself, the way it appears to us, that's what is false. Advaita Vedanta never denies that you see people and tables and chairs, you hear sounds and uh, taste, tastes, um, all of these experiences, never denies that. But it says there is an underlying reality which you are missing. You don't know the truth about these things. The way we see it, the way we take it to be, that's false. That's not, not the reality. And that's the source of all mischief. So now we have got it. Text number 33. 
Vastu, reality. Satchidananda Madhvayam Brahma. The reality is Brahman or Brahma. Etymologically meaning the vast, unlimited vastness. What is that? Non-dual. There is nothing second, nothing apart from it really. Though it may look apart from it, it's not really apart from Brahman. And what is Brahman actually? What can you tell me about it? It is being itself, Sat. It is consciousness itself, Chit. It is bliss itself, Ananda. Okay. Now in doing this, he has already spoken about, he has introduced a new term. In fact, you will say he has introduced two new terms, Brahman and Ajnana or Maya. So now he's going to talk about Ajnana, Maya. What about Brahman? He has already said whatever he wanted to, that it is existence, consciousness, bliss, non-dual, finished. Nothing more is going to talk about it till the very, almost the very end of the book because we are going to go downstream now. Maya and its products. Why are we going to do that? Because we are going to come down to us. How, did, how are we here? And then go back. Superimposition, desuperimposition. So we are now starting to build the castle of dreams, of illusions. We're starting to produce the movie, which is our life now. So the first step in that is Maya. More difficult than Brahman. The ap more difficult than absolute is how does this absolute become the, the many? How does the one become the many or appear as the many? Notice, Ajnanadi Sakala Jada Samuha Avastu. So Ajnanadi, other uh, Ajnana, etc. or ignorance, etc. down to this entire universe is the appearance, is not the reality. So two things have been mentioned here. Why, why didn't it just say everything else is unreal? Why did it say ignorance and everything else? Because ignorance is the cause and everything else is the effect. Karya karana. Ignorance is the cause out of which everything else is coined or manufactured. It's like the rope is the reality. And whatever else you imagine that you mistook the rope to be. And some people were walking down and they saw this thing in the semi-darkness and somebody said, oh, it's a snake. Other person said, no, uh, it's a um, crack in the earth. This is a classic example from Sanskrit literature. Crack in the earth, Bhujidra. Another person said, no, no, no. It's a Pushpa Mala, um, a garland which has been discarded from the temple. Now, what was it? It was actually a rope. But three people saw it in three different ways. What is Vedanta Sar saying? The reality is rope. And everything from ignorance of the rope and everything else, garland, snake, crack in the earth, they are all unreal. The only reality there is the rope. So, okay. Similarly, only reality is Brahman. Maya downwards is everything is an appearance. So Maya is the cause and everything in the universe is the product. Karya Karana, cause effect. Brahman, cause or effect. Brahman is actually not even a cause. It will later be said that Brahman is a cause, but indirectly so. It's a cause of the appearance. It's actually not doing anything. So Brahman is beyond cause and effect. The absolute is beyond cause and effect. Causality starts with Maya. In fact, one of the constituents of Maya is causality. Now we will go to the second one. I'll just go through it quickly. And then we'll see if we have questions. Okay. So he used the word ignorance. Ajnanam. Now he's going to define this. He's going to talk about it. What is ignorance? What do I mean by ignorance here? Text 34. 
However, ignorance is described as something positive, though intangible, which cannot be described either as being or non-being, which is made of three qualities, is antagonistic to knowledge, its existence is established from such experiences as I am ignorant and from such shruti passages as the power belonging to God himself hidden in its own qualities. So what is he saying here? What does he mean by ignorance? By the way, you might think that what's all this discussion about ignorance? We are here to get knowledge. That is the path of knowledge. And most of the discussion is usually about ignorance. <laughs> There's much more discussion about maya about Ajnana in Advaita Vedanta, then there is actually about, about Brahman. Because that's the source. this is the source of all our problems. You might be interested to know that there is a new and exciting field of study today called ignorance studies. Uh, actually, I was surprised. Uh, if you look it up, there is a, a, a volume called the Rutledge a Handbook of Ignorance Studies. Rutledge has published a big, a huge book of ignorance studies. So what are you studying? Ignorance. I think parents would be less than thrilled if the children go to college and take up. So what is what are you studying? Ignorance. That's what you're supposed to remove in university. And you're getting a degree, I have a, like a PhD in ignorance. Um, I Actually, the lady who has made this, uh, she, she's an Oxford, uh, she's a professor in Oxford or some university in England. So she came to give a talk here at the new school in Manhattan. So I attended that talk and uh, she was editing this volume at that time. And she was surprised to know that ignorance has received so much like, highly detailed, extensive study in Indian philosophy. She did not know at all. Not just Advaita Vedanta, Buddhism and many, many philosophies, Indian philosophies, they dwell at, at length and there's so much debate. This is just an introductory text. But you should know that there is hundreds of years of debate. What is this ignorance? Ramanujacharya. So when he attacks Advaita Vedanta in his uh, famous commentary on the Brahma Sutras called the Shri Bhashya, he starts, he calls Advaita Vedanta the great opponent, Mahapurva Paksha. And he starts his uh, dialectic against Advaita Vedanta by a sevenfold attack on ignorance. Uh, this Ajnanam, what you call Ajnana, ignorance, that is an impossible concept. It's a faulty concept. And he shows seven great faults. And then, of course, Advaitins answered all of them. Um, so, a lot of discussion is there about this. This is just an outline. I'm saying that because you will feel it, it sounds difficult and complex. Not at all. This is the simplest, most sweeping overview of the topic. So, what is being said here? What is this ignorance? Sadasadbhyam anirvachaniyam. Anirvachaniyam, it cannot be described in words. But, again in a very specific way. When you say anirvachaniyam, vachaniyam means which can be expressed in words. Anirvachaniyam cannot be expressed in language. But here it's not like Brahman. Often we say Brahman is beyond language. So in that sense, Ajnana is not beyond language. Uh, is actually very, there's a very precise way in, this, uh, in which this term is being used beyond words. What does it mean? It cannot be described in language as 
is or is not as real or completely unreal sad asat sad means pure being is what is the definition of sat we have just seen it is isness itself in advaita vedanta the ultimate reality sat there's a definition trikala badhiratvam satyatvam that which cannot be negated in all three periods of time in the past present and future that is ultimately real notice something like the snake is negated the moment you realize it's a rope the snake is found to be false that is negation in sanskrit badha but suppose there is something which can never be found to be false it is always there the mirage water seems like water when you go there false it's not there so that's not real we say it's not real oh the mirage it's a mirage it's not really water oh it's a rope it's not really a snake we have corrected it but there suppose there is something which can never be corrected in this way what about the world this universe so that uh, it um, for example you said that it was not a snake and we saw it's a rope so it's corrected the snake has been proved to be false but the rope is true isn't it the universe is true isn't it science has given us true um, true discoveries isn't it no even all this universe which we see the our our waking reality which we take to be our reality this itself is falsified when brahma gyana comes when rope knowledge comes the snake is falsified when you see the desert for what it is the water in the mirage is falsified when you realize brahman the world is falsified what we just saw in the 30 33rd text so the world cannot be held to be absolutely true because what is the definition definition of reality according to vedanta that which cannot be falsified ever that which cannot be rejected which cannot be negated which cannot be corrected ever think about one thing logically speaking you know the, this question can arise people ask this question all right suppose you realize um um that this world is not real and you find this brahman whatever it is you become enlightened but what is there to stop this um, process you can one day find brahman itself is false and find something else deeper than brahman higher than brahman how do you know why why will you say brahman is the ultimate and there is no there is nothing beyond that how do you know that brahman itself will not be corrected one day tell me it's logically impossible you can't do that why take for example consciousness brahman is consciousness itself now to negate consciousness this what is the form of negation this is not x it is y and this is not a snake it is a rope this is not water it is the desert it's a mirage so to make a correction of this form this is the form of the correction oh i realize it's not x it's y can you do that to consciousness oh it is not consciousness it is non consciousness how can you do that without consciousness the one thing required for correction of an error is consciousness no it can never apply to consciousness itself even the more deeply existence itself the one thing required for correction is existence the correcting agent must exist you can never correct yourself out of existence this isness so can is there something higher the one day it will be proved to be false what will that falsity be like 
Oh, now I realize I am not. And then will I vanish? No, that can't happen. The one which realizes something, that one must exist. That one must be conscious. So, logically speaking, isness awareness, sat chit, cannot be corrected, cannot be negated. Just logically. But, um, so, sad asadhyam anirvachanyam, that maya or agyanam is that which cannot be uh, classified as ultimate reality. Why? Because when you become enlightened, agyana, ignorance, is removed, is negated. Uh, ignorance goes away. When you get knowledge, aham brahmasmi, knowledge arises, ignorance goes away. So because it is corrected, because it goes away, because it is negated, it cannot be the ultimate reality. You cannot say it is in the ultimate sense. Then why not say it is not? It is completely unreal. There's nothing there at all. You can't say that. But because of, because of this maya, for, because of this ignorance, we are experiencing this whole world. Seeing that all of this appears to us, seeing that we have to read Vedanta, we have, to, we have the problem of samsara, bondage and liberation. How can you say it's nothing? It's, you can't dismiss it as absolutely nothing. There's something going on here. And yet it is not the ultimate reality. So you cannot classify it as ultimately real because it disappears, it is corrected upon enlightenment. You cannot dismiss it as completely unreal because it is experienced. You see it, you, 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 you are in it. The ultimately real thing cannot be corrected, cannot be negated, Brahman. And you need not negate it because it's perfectly all right. You cannot and you need not. This thing, Maya, um, it can be negated and you need to negate it or agyana, ignorance. It has to be corrected and you need to correct it. The absolutely unreal, that too cannot be corrected. So that which does not exist at all. It cannot be corrected and you need not correct it also. So it does not appear at all. Why, why do you need to correct it? What, what is an example of an absolutely unreal thing? So the classic example they give, the son of, of, of a barren mother or the square circle or the kapushpas, flower in the sky, different things. What is the characteristic of absolutely not existing in Sanskrit? Asat. It does not exist and you do not experience it. It does not exist, you do not experience it. What is the characteristic of the absolute real? Absolutely real. You do not experience it as an object, but it exists. It is. And what is the characteristic of this maya and its products? It does not exist and yet it appears. You cannot say it does not exist at all. You experience it. This is very important because everything that we experience according to Advaita Vedanta, all that we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, all our vevahara, our society and politics and elections and science, uh, literature, warfare, everything is conducted in Maya. It is all of this category. It is not an absolute reality, but it's not unreal either. It's not absolutely unreal either. So it is called Sad Asad Bhyam Anirvachaniyam. This is the absolute reality cannot be negated and you need not negate it. The absolutely unreal also cannot be negated and you need not negate it. It does not come up at all. Why will you negate it? It's not there at all. But this one can be negated. Maya or ignorance can be negated and should be negated because it is the source of all our problems. This may sound very abstract, but it's actually very simple. Consider three things. Speaking the truth, not speaking, silence, and telling a lie. Speaking a lie. 
So speaking the truth is like that absolute reality. It, uh, it cannot be challenged because it's true. You cannot correct it. Keeping quiet, that also cannot be challenged. What will you challenge? He has not said anything. That cannot be corrected also. What will you correct? Nothing has been said. It's silent. So that's like the absolutely unreal, asat. But telling a lie, telling a lie is like that, this maya, this, this ignorance. You have said somebody, it has been said. So something was said, but it's not true. So it needs to be challenged and corrected. So this is an example I came up with. It's very nice. So three things. Telling the truth, keeping silent, and telling a lie. Telling the truth is like Brahman, the absolute. Cannot be challenged and should not be challenged, need not be challenged. Silent, keeping silent is like the absolutely unreal. Nothing is there at all. So like a square circle or you know, the examples they give. Nothing appears. It's not experienced at all. So keeping quiet. It cannot be challenged. And it need not be challenged and should not be challenged also. There's nothing there. But telling a lie, it has to be challenged. It, it has, something has been said, but it's not true. It can be challenged, should be challenged, and one, one must correct it. So this is sadasadbhyam anirvachaniyam. Neither absolutely real, cannot be classified as absolutely real, cannot be classified as unreal, totally unreal either. A strange in-between thing. And as I said, like telling a lie, it's not unknown to us. We know many such things. Fiction. Fiction. So fairy tales or Harry Potter story, is it uh, real? No. Is it nothing? No, of course not. It's fiction. It's a story. So what's the status of a story? You cannot classify it as truth, but you cannot classify it as completely non-existent also. So it's in between. Art is like that. Fiction is like that. In fact, Advaita Vedanta insists everything that we experience falls in that category. Sadasadhyam anirvachaniyam. Then, Trigunatmakam. What is this ignorance made of? Three qualities. Chattva rajastamas. See, this is all borrowed from Sankhya. So here, what Sankhya calls Prakriti, nature, the source of the entire universe, made of three qualities. Uh, Sattva, rajastamas. And we have reasons for that. We're not going into that. So what is Maya made of? What is Ajnana made of? Ignorance made of? Or another name is Prakriti, nature. What is it made of? Three qualities. Uh, Sattva, Rajas and Tamas. That's why it is called Trigunatmakam, made of three qualities. Its essence is basically three qualities. Then important, Jnana Virodhi, opposed to knowledge. Opposed to knowledge. Opposed to knowledge in what way? It is destroyed by knowledge. It does not destroy knowledge, though it can obstruct knowledge, but it does not destroy knowledge. It is destroyed by knowledge. Uh, just like darkness is removed by light, um, ignorance is removed by knowledge. So one characteristic of this ignorance is it's destroyed by knowledge. Jnana virodhi. Not that it destroys knowledge. So if knowledge is there and ignorance is there, what will happen? Will the ignorance overcome knowledge? No. Knowledge will always overcome ignorance. Just like we see um, in our day-to-day -day life. I don't know. Suppose I don't know Sanskrit. The moment I try get, getting knowledge about Sanskrit, my ignorance of Sanskrit disappears. So, ignorance is destroyed by knowledge. That's the meaning of Jnana Virodhi. Why I'm stressing this is, so at this time, at this point, so traditional pundits will tell a story. We all read this story in India in Amar Chitrakatha comics, you know, the story of the demon Vritra, Vritrasura. Vritrasura, Vritrasura was a great demon. The story goes, Indra, the king of the gods, had offended, had offended one of the um, 
sages who was a guru to the demons and uh, he had actually inadvertently killed that sage's son so anyway the sage was furious and so what the sage did was he started a vedic fire sacrifice where would it would produce a great demon who would destroy indra that was the plan that it would be a supernatural being created by this power of the vedic uh, sacrifices and this demon would go and destroy indra and and all the other demons would come and they would conquer heaven and the gods would be dispossessed of heaven so those who were first who grew up in india we remember those amar chitrakatha comics that's where i first read this story but the story is interesting that in vedic sacrifices the chanting of the mantra has to be precise otherwise depending upon your intonation the meaning will be different so the gods were very worried they already had heard about this great sacrifice about to occur you know so they wanted to mess it up so like interference in elections russia is interfering like that they wanted to interfere in the great sacrifice so they i think it was saraswati the god of knowledge who goddess of knowledge who is in charge of pronunciation who came on the um, tongue of the sage when he was about to chant the mantra and changed the intonation made a mistake so the mantra was to be indra shatrun vardhasva so there is a certain up and down to that which means let the enemy of indra uh, emerge or uh, or grow from this fire now the intonation was wrong the way the rishi chanted it thanks to the meddling of you know, hacking done by saraswati and the meaning became let the enemy of uh, let the one whose enemy is indra let let that one emerge the point was to have the, the one whose whose enemy is indra is to emerge enemy means the one whom he, he will destroy the demon is going to destroy indra let that demon emerge but the meaning became because of the change in chant in the pronunciation the meaning became let the demon who will be destroyed by indra let that demon emerge so ritrasura came up but there was a programming error in the in the very root of of it nobody knew that and he was initially very successful if you see the comic books are full of fighting and uh, him ritrasura is going and defeating indra and they all run to uh, obviously when they, whenever they are defeated by the asuras they will run to vishnu they complain to vishnu and vishnu will give them some idea what to do he said you go to this great sage dadichi who is very powerful by his austerities and you ask for his bones with the his bones of this sage you make a weapon the thunderbolt and with that thunderbolt you can kill this demon so there's a whole story story within story they go to the sage and the sage says yes i can I'll, i'm not attached to the body i'm not the body so if the body is going to help people let you can take my body you can take my bones he sat in meditation and he gave up his um body and with his bones indra made the his weapon the thunderbolt vajra the thunderbolt so it's made with the bones of a rishi and then he of course killed vitra the point of this elaborate story is that gyana virodhi so gyana virodhi means that which is destroyed by knowledge not that which destroys knowledge just like the demon gyana virodhi bhava roopam we've almost run out of time let me quickly run through this bhava roopam something positive okay what's going on here the next term is bhava roopam something positive what's going on is this 
the moment you use the term agyana ignorance agyana ignorance our usual way of understanding ignorance is a lack of knowledge absence of knowledge the sanskrit word agyana a means not negation and that negation can have multiple meanings is ignorance an absence of knowledge or is it something positive is ignorance an absence this is nothing or is it something positive the non dualist advaitin they want to prove that ignorance is something positive why bhavarupam means something positive why because first of all it has all these effects if it was nothing just an absence how could it lead to the creation of the entire universe as we see it and our samsara how can something emerge out of nothing second reason is that all the activity of vedanta all of this which we are trying to do we are doing it to remove ignorance if ignorance is just an absence an emptiness to be filled with knowledge why do all this exercise why is there so need to remove an absence you can't remove an absence there nothing is there there is something which has to be removed and it is a positive something which gives rise to so much trouble is something that modern ignorance studies experts would firmly agree if you look at the contents of that rutledge uh, handbook of ignorance studies i looked it up before the class i just remembered that lady and thought whether it has been published or not and so it has been published and so if you see the contents all the trouble that ignorance is responsible for in economics in warfare in politics ignorance generates so much of our samsara advaita says all of our samsara is generated by ignorance it's not nothing it's a it's a force it's a it's a something so it says bhava rupam is very careful here if he stresses too much on the bhava rupam it will become a reality like brahman then you, there you can charge them with dualism brahman and ignorance but advaitin is caught in a sticky position here advaitin cannot agree to ignorance being nothing for deeper reasons um i'll just trace out the nature of this bhava rupa ignorance as something rather than nothing um you realize where the question is coming from because when you say ignorance it could just be an absence of knowledge there's no knowledge that's ignorance nothing is no knowledge is there that's what you're calling ignorance and advaitin does not want that position why um couple of reasons quickly one form of absence of knowledge could be what is called in sanskrit samanya gyana abhava absence of knowledge in general absence of knowledge in general means absence of awareness in general in general nothing is known nothing is known so no specific ignorance that i don't know physics or chemistry or sanskrit just i don't know it's blank and this is that is not possible because the very nature of the knower is awareness or consciousness even to say that there is a general ignorance about everything is and that is an absence nothing is there you need consciousness to to uh, illumine that nothing you see one kind of absence of knowledge would be a general absence of awareness but general absence of awareness like a universal absence of awareness is not possible because the moment you say such a thing is there to whom was it revealed it must be revealed to some awareness you see in contrast to that when we have a specific ignorance 
I don't know, suppose I don't know French. Now I am aware and I'm aware of the absence of my knowledge about a specific thing called French. But just absence of awareness in itself, impossible. You can't even, uh, you, can, you can't even posit such a thing. To whom or to what will this be revealed? That will be awareness. Okay. Then the question would be, all right, let ignorance be an absence of specific things. Let ignorance be an absence of specific things. But when we say, I am ignorant, the general form that ignorance is not of a specific thing. Um, it is, the, when we say, I don't know. When you say, I don't know physics, I don't know chemistry, I don't know Vedanta, I don't know Sanskrit. Notice something, that I don't know is of the same sort everywhere. To explain, if you say, I know uh, Sanskrit, I know French, then your knowledge of French and knowledge of Sanskrit are different. Clearly, you have got a lot of information, unique knowledge, which is called your French knowledge. A lot of information, unique knowledge, which is called your Sanskrit knowledge. But when we say, I don't know French and I don't know Sanskrit, there's nothing specific about it. The don't know in both cases, is just a blankness. There is nothing unique about this blankness and that blankness. Do you see that? It's a kind of underlying ignorance. There is, if you try to find out the texture of that ignorance, how is the ignorance of Sanskrit different from the ignorance of French? Uh, the ignorance itself, it is just a blankness. You're just aware that there is something called Sanskrit, I don't know, there's something called French, I don't know. But then the ignorance is, is not like the knowledge of Sanskrit and French, because knowledge of Sanskrit is a very rich, many things are there. The knowledge of French is very rich, many things are there. The two are quite different from each other. But then if you are ignorant about both, the ignorance of both will be the similar thing, like a blankness about each. So ignorance is also not absence. Absence of uh, ignorance is not an absence with specific qualities. So what have you got so far? If you say ignorance is an absence, it could be a general absence of knowledge. We saw that's not possible. General absence of awareness, we saw it's not possible. Or it could be um, the um, absence of specific types. But there is no difference in the absence of specific types. There are no absences of specific types. The absence is a general kind of absence which you find in all kinds of ignorance that I don't know. Okay. What comes of this? That ignorance cannot be simply an absence. You see, absence of two kinds, general absence, specific absences. Both are not possible. There is um, ignorance which is not an absence. Another example used, I'll just mention it and stop, is... Uh, in, in deep sleep. In deep sleep, when we wake up after deep sleep, it is actually we have experienced a blankness. And that blankness is not just an absence. It's not just, it was not nothing. It was a consciousness shining on a blankness. In Sanskrit, they call Ajnana Upahita Chaitanyam. Consciousness associated with ignorance. That's what was there in deep sleep. So that also proves that ignorance is not an absence. It's not nothing. It is a kind of something. So is it a reality like Brahman? Back to the old problem. Then he says, yat kinchid. Um, neither an, it is an intangible something, neither an ultimate reality like Brahman, but not un, totally uh, unreal either. Yat kinchit. Is all this theoretical or is there any experience to prove it? He says, of course there is. Vadanti aham agya. 
ittyadi anubhavat there's all of us experience ignorance when we say i do not know in this case you are told you are brahman and our response is i don't know this that is ignorance that is ignorance which is not there in the case of an enlightened person it is there in our case when we phenomenologically investigate our experiences we feel i don't know what this this thing they're talking about my infinite consciousness uh, that i am an infinite being i don't know this this i don't know vadanti aham agya i don't know this is the this is the experience of ignorance it is there and then a quotation from the upanishads to prove it shvetashvata upanishad this is actually a description of maya devatma shaktim swagunir nigudham so deva means the consciousness atma means the ultimate self paramatma shakti power of that ultimate self sugunir nigudham hidden by its own qualities what is the qualities sattva rajas tamas so here is a scriptural support for this concept of agyana ignorance which will later he will call it maya stop so the two most important concepts that we'll ever come across in advaita vedanta are text number 33 and 34 let me see jayant are there questions uh yes ma'am shravani you can go next pranam maharaj there is um about brahman there is another famous saying in advaita uh, brahma satya jagat mithya yes so there satya uh, that's also translated as real yes and their real is I, i came across like in various discussions is like the unchanging or permanent that is yes. that that definition and uh, sachid ananda like what we discussed today they how how do they like uh, fall in place they are exactly the same when you say brahma satyam jagat mithya it means brahman is real and the world is an appearance mithya means false and appearance that's exactly what we heard did you notice vastu satchidanandam advayam brahma the ultimate reality is existence consciousness bliss non dual brahman that is what you just called brahma satyam and uh, jagat mithya world is false what did we hear agyanaadi sakala jada samuha vastu what is unreal starting from agyana or maya down to everything in the universe all um, the material universe is an appearance jagat mithya then you said so that definition of satyatvam of of reality is this what we just heard yes what did i just say what is reality trikala vaadi tattvam satyatvam that which is not negated in three periods of time past present and future yeah. which cannot be negated that is the real thing did you just didn't you just say brahman is that which is eternal permanent that which cannot be dismissed negated destroyed corrected changed in any way in past present and future that is brahman correct but then uh, when we perceive everything with the with our intellects and senses we almost reach a wall where we don't see anything that's we can't really gauge anything that's permanent and unchanging everything seems changing correct so whatever we see with our senses whatever we understand with our intellect is this universe what he just called um uh, jada samuha the material universe and that he said is false and when you say it is uh, changing you are saying exactly what they are saying that yes you, that is the characteristic of falsity 
that it changes. So we just accept it with faith that there is such a thing which we are not able to perceive now as uh, that's unchanging and that. And that is the promise of Advaita Vedanta. You temporarily hold it, hold on to it as faith. We are going to show you. I'm actually going to show you the uh, unchanging. Mm-hmm. Here, and, now, it is available. And in verse 33, I think, uh, the consciousness... Text 33. Text 33. Huh? Text 33 is a tra- uh, consciousness is translated as knowledge. How, uh, yeah. So knowledge means, uh, here, here it means consciousness. Knowledge is um, after consciousness. Consciousness plus mind and sense organs interacting with the objects gives knowledge. Here it means knowledge itself. Um, Swami Vivekananda put it this way. Not that Brahman exists, it is existence itself. Not that Brahman knows, it is knowledge itself. Knowledge itself means what? Consciousness. What is the one thing common? I said, remember, what is the one thing common to all our, all our knowledge? Whatever you see, hear, smell, taste, touch, whatever you think, remember, understand, imagine. In all of that, one thing is common. What is it essentially? It is consciousness. All the other things come and go. All perceptions and um, thoughts are different from each other. But what is not different in every knowledge? Consciousness. If you want, if you're impatient, how can I discover this permanent thing right here and now? You know, you know what your question is like. You are saying that in all the ornaments that we see, gold, and all the ornaments that we see, you're seeing a bracelet and a, and a necklace and a ring. They are all they all come and go. Nothing is permanent here. The bracelet is melted and they made into a ring. Ring is melted and made into um, a necklace. But you are saying there is something permanent in all of this called gold. We don't see that. We have to take it on faith. Do you have to take the gold on faith? When you have the same piece of gold is made into a ring and given to you, then it is melted and you want a necklace. A necklace is given to you. Melted and made into a bangle. That is given to you. And somebody says, these the ornaments are temporary. You see, you saw yourself. The form has changed. The name has changed. The use has changed. Nama, Rupa, we are continuously changing. But you are saying there's something permanent called gold, but uh, it, it just have to believe in it. No, it is the only thing that is real. You don't recognize it. Why don't you recognize the same superimposition, disuperimposition? Having forgotten the gold, now you are seeing it as a bracelet and necklace and ring. The gold is there all the time. When the bracelet, ring, necklace, name and form are removed, removed means in our understanding only. They're removed. And you see the thing for what it is. No matter what the form and name, you see it is the underlying gold alone that is called disuperimposition. Adhyaropapavada. Yeah, just a quick uh, note here. That both gold and the ornaments are something we can uh, perceive with our intellect and sense. They're in that realm. But here we are talking about something that's... True. Here. Because an example has only... There's a limitation of example. Why, where, what else? What example will you find? Now, if you're... The Shravani is um, impatient for enlightenment. So then you go to that link I gave you. Um, defining God. And there, if you follow the whole lecture, you will see we are pointing out that existence consciousness, this Brahman, just like gold, here and now, in your experience, not pushed to the future, not a matter of belief. <clears throat> if this is all this is right, it has to be present here and now. You will see it has been presented there, here and now. 
Yeah, try, try to follow that carefully. You will see how, just like gold, it is being presented to you. Not as an object, of course, but it is, it is constantly available to us. Just as gold, gold is available in every ornament. Okay. Thank you. Grish, you can unmute yourself. Uh, Swamiji, if I recall correctly, you said before that we should not obsess too much on the nature of Maya or try to figure out why it exists. We should just accept it after a while and move forward. Yes. Is it because it's a necessary pillar of this non-dual metaphysic? Hello? Uh, yes. Is it because? It's, it's, it's a necessary pillar of uh, non-duality. I mean, you cannot have non no, it is because it's not that you you cannot uh, they're prohibiting you that it is banned to discuss Maya. No, that immediately uh, that immediately has attracts all kinds of opponents, uh, and it it has been in fact discussed threadbare, discussed threadbare in great detail, because that's the weak link, the absolute Brahman. All right, what can you say about it? Nothing much. So it has been discussed threadbare. Even the concept of anirvachanim. Anirvachanim means you cannot designate as ultimately real or uh, as ultimately false. This concept itself has been examined with such great ferocity by the Madhva Dvaitins. So there's a text called Nyaya Amrita, uh, where the question, the, the very first question is uh, raised is that, Kimidam mithyatvam yatvam sadhyate. What is this falsity you people, non dualists are talking about? And then he takes up the concept of uh, anirvachanya. That it cannot be said to be existing, cannot be said to be non-existing, and then gives what is the meaning of this statement, and then divides it into four possibilities and shows all four are contradictory. And then Madhusudan Saraswati comes in and shows that all four are, are logically tenable, and, and so on. So it has been discussed in excruciating detail, actually. Well, <clears throat> Maharaj, Pranam, uh, you, you just mentioned that. Uh, this concept of quality, the guna, has been taken from Sankhya. Yes. But I thought the Sankhya philosophy is much later than Advaita. No, as a philosophy, it's much earlier. You can say it has been taken, Advaitins will claim that we have taken it all from the Upanishads. It's true. It's there, in, for example, uh, Shvetashvatar Upanishad itself talks about the gunas. It is true. But the whole idea of Prakriti being composed of the three gunas, this was developed by Sankhyans. Swami Vivekananda says, Kapila was the first philosopher, philosopher of the human race. So Advaita Vedanta, as it is formulated today, is very much a Johnny-come-lately. Um, so, so for example, when you find the great debates between the Buddhists and the Hindus, it's generally between Buddhist philosophers and Sankhyans or Nayaikas. Uh, Advaitins come much later. Yes. All right, then. Uh, anybody else? Uh, I think Rick was uh, Vinod, right? Yes. Yes. Vinod, you can unmute yourself. Swamiji, this is Vinod here. Pranam. Uh, so, so how, how for somebody who's trying to follow the karma path, if you assume that Brahman is real and the ultimate truth, how could you use it in your life for making the right decisions? We are presented with choices in our day-to-day -day life, in our job, at home, or anywhere. So how can we use this to make the right decisions in our decision-making process? Hmm. Let me tell you. But first, let me share this video with you also. This is, I think, the talk on Maya. So the two talks I'm sharing with you, 
ಮಾಯಾ So where did, in which class did I share that uh, Swami Bhajanaranji's ontological ethics of Swami Vivekananda? In, in, in this class or in the Gita class? In this class. Uh, did you get that um, um, article, Vinod? Yes, Swamiji, I did. I did. Yes, so you just read that article, Ontological Ethics of Swami Vivekananda. At the end of that article, after discussing theories of ethics, then he comes to... what is the implication of this advaitic theory for ethics as guidelines i think that you will find 10 points i have myself marked out 10 points with a pen the 10 implications like strength like uh, service and like unselfishness these are all they are flowing from uh, that uh, this uh, advaitic idea if this Thank is you. true if this is true then how should we live our life thank you some thank you all right then we'll wrap it up here today and we'll proceed next time om shante 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 hari hi om tat sat shri ram krishna rupa namastu